Welcome and greetings, career-minded superstars. You are listening to the exclusive Career Coach, your podcast for all things career. And I'm Lisa Edwards, the indispensable career coach for superstars just like you. Now let's dig into this week's topic, shall we? Go from dragging yourself to work each day to finding a job you love. The Career Spring program is for high achieving and ambitious mid level professionals like you who are looking for a job that uses your zone of genius, recognizes your value, and pays you what you're worth. If you're ready to learn more, schedule a complimentary consult using the link to my calendar in the show notes. Be sure to follow me on Exclusive Career Coaching on Facebook, Lisa Edwards on LinkedIn, and Lisa.Edwards on Instagram. Greetings and happy 2021. I think everybody is hoping that 21 is better in terms of world health, in terms of job prospects, in terms of a lot of things than 2020. And I hope that 2020 had some bright spots for you. I hope that you learned some things about yourself and your career and the world during 2020. I know I certainly did. What I want to do this month in the next three episodes is give you some clinics. I kind of thought about, you know, here it is the first of the year and and this is the largest hiring time of the year. So for many of you, you're going to be out in the job market, whether you're currently unemployed or just looking to make a change to something better. So this week I'm going to do the resume clinic and then next week I'm going to do a LinkedIn clinic and the week after that it's going to be an interviewing clinic. I decided that in each clinic, I'm going to give you five action steps that you can take with you and help you with the pandemic job search. And I want to be clear in saying that there's nothing unique about the tips that I'm giving you. These action steps are useful, whether there's a pandemic going on or not. And also, if you're happily employed right now, these tips are also going to be useful for you. You can take nuggets from them and and certainly think about them the next time you're ready to make a, a job change. I want to preface this and all of the clinics by saying that anything I teach you is going to be of little value without the proper mindset. I did an episode with a friend of mine, Jane Springer, who is a life coach. It was episode 154. And we talked about five ways mind drama can creep into your job search. And that episode is so helpful for you to be able to, first of all, identify where your thoughts may be derailing you relative to the current situation, and then what to do about that. And thinking about yourself, your qualifications, the job market in a way that serves you better. So I highly recommend episode 154. So let's tuck into the five action steps for your resume. My disclaimer up front is going to be with all of these that I have a huge bias towards hiring someone to write your resume for you. So someone like me, a credentialed, experienced resume professional, um, preferably one whose work you have seen, whose process you like and think will work for you. And certainly the coaching piece, if you can get that to go with it. I recognize that many of you have been out of work for many months, and I'm certainly hearing that from prospects. There's that kind of sense of tightening of the belt. The flip side I want you to think about, and of course, you have to look at your budget and know what's available uh, and, and what your expenses are and all of that. But what I want you to also think about is what's the opportunity that's lost if I don't take advantage of this expense and this investment in my future? 
how much longer might my job search go on and do I do I want that and am I willing to pay for that so it can actually be a money saving investment and so I just want to put that out there my action steps are going to be specifically for those of you who are DIYing this whole thing so I've I've given you my little preaching and now we'll get on to the DIY steps so number 1 a fresh set of eyes So I want you to think of someone in your life who does regular resume reviews. So they're a hiring manager, they're in HR, whatever the case may be, who can give you that perspective on what they see when they look at your resume. I always want you to ask more than one person because otherwise you just have anomalous data and you don't know what kind of biases that person might have. Um, I know, for example, when I was in higher education, we didn't like to invite recruiters to come on campus to do resume reviews because we didn't want a student who maybe had not had any resume help from anyone else to take that one recruiter's advice as the gospel. We wanted them to talk to several different people. You want to look for consistent feedback. What are you hearing consistently? Not a, not something anomalous um, because some people will have really interesting sort of biases that don't really make any sense outside of the company that they work for. I think this step is particularly effective if you can ask some probing questions because what I want you to do is I don't want them to just say, oh, your period is in the wrong place or you should have a comma here. That's not what this resume review should be about. It should be about the substance of it and how well it presents you. So here are some questions you might ask these resume reviewers. What aspects of my experience and credentials are most interesting to you? That's really going to give you a sense of what's standing out and also what is impressive to someone else. What do you see as the focus of my resume? And what I mean by that is the job focus. Can you tell by looking at my resume what kind of position I want? What parts of my resume are confusing to you? That's a really interesting one because we get mired in our own experience. We can't look at it with a you know, reasonable degree of, of perspective. And so having someone say, you know, this is really confusing how the dates of your jobs overlap. And, and just knowing that and thinking about it from their perspective and saying, okay, is this something I can, I can work on a little bit to make it a little bit clearer? The last thing I want to say about having fresh set of eyes is that the ultimate result is going to be up to you. So what you do with that feedback is ultimately up to you. So I don't want you making changes that you don't agree with or that you don't really understand, don't feel good about just because someone who maybe you respect very much has said that. You know, certainly if that's the case and it's someone that you really respect, then, you know, take that feedback and maybe query other people, these other resume reviewers. You might say something like, one of the people who reviewed my resume said that you know, X, whatever it is, what do you think about that? And so getting that other perspective, and again, if you keep hearing it over and over again, yeah, he was right, then you know you're, that you're onto something and that might sway your decision-making process. But if everyone else kind of disagrees or just doesn't see what this other person said they saw in your resume, then you're probably, you can consider that anomalous data. So that's number one, fresh set of eyes. Number two, customize every single time, folks. I always tell my clients 15 minutes customizing your resume every time you send it out. And you want to use that job description as your guide. So what keywords are in the job description but not in your resume? And the keywords I mean, these are typically 
nouns. These are things like a, a certification, a credential, a type of work that you've done. They are not things like hardworking team player, blah, blah. Are your job duties and achievements consistent with what the employer is looking for? So how can you accurately massage your job duties, your achievements? Do you want to reorder them? Do you want to remove a bullet and include a different bullet? You know, what can you do to make your resume more like the job description? I always put the job title uh, at the top of my client's resumes. And I recommend that you do the same exactly as it's stated. So if they're looking for an accounting supervisor, then the top of your resume, it would be accounting supervisor. I like just the thought of how clean that is. They know exactly what job you're applying for and exactly which kind of pile to put you in. Not that anybody has resume piles on their desk anymore, but I like to think of it that way because I think it makes it very clear how to how to proceed. So that's number two, customize that resume every single time. If you are going for, you know, people that are sending out 50 resumes a week, they're just pushing buttons on, on the LinkedIn or on Indeed or wherever, I promise you. I'd much rather you apply to far fewer jobs and take the time to make that application count. And I've talked about the plus one approach. I've talked about active versus passive strategies before. I'm not going to go there. But for the jobs that you apply to online, customize, customize, customize. That's number two. Number three, one size does not fit all. And what I mean by this is if you are seeking diverse opportunities, don't try to do it all with one resume. The amount of customization that you would have to do to a generic resume to make it fit a very different career field is really going to be cumbersome. And it's also going to open you up for, you know, spelling errors. You leave in the wrong thing, take out the wrong thing. There's grammatical errors. There's punctuation errors. There's all kinds of, it's a minefield. I don't often create second resumes for clients, but here's when it really is a good idea. When I have a client who has two or more different fields that they're searching in that are really fairly different and different enough that you need, the client needs to present themselves differently for each job. So for an example, I've had several clients over the years who were interested in continuing in their current field. Let's just say, for example, it's human resources, but they were also interested in a position in sales. If we try to make one resume fit all, then if you're a hiring manager in sales and you see that this person is looking for sales or human resources, you're going to be like, why should I hire you when I have folks whose career is singularly focused and their achievements are singularly focused on sales? So you really want to think about it from that perspective, right? If we try to create a generic resume, a one-size-fits-all, we're trying to cover too many bases with one resume, that resume is not going to be relevant to any of the hiring managers that we're going to be giving it to. So sometimes you need more than one resume. One size does not fit all. That's number three. Number four and we've talked about we've talked about all of these on the podcast before. So if you want more depth on any of these, you. You can go back to the catalog and find the appropriate episode. So number four is ATS compatibility is a must. So ATS stands for Applicant Tracking System. Any company of any size is going to be using an ATS to process their application process, to process the resumes, to process the process of getting candidates in desks and seats. 
I give my clients a pretty version of their resume, Word document, fully graphical, shading, text boxes, graphs, who knows what. And then I also give them an ATS compatible version that is stripped of any format that the ATS can't read. I want my clients to have an attractive resume that they can give to the humans, right? It's very visually impactful. And also, once they get beyond the visual impact, they see that there's tremendous substance there. And I also want them to get to the humans by giving them an ATS applicant tracking system compatible resume that the system will score them high enough that they can get to the humans. I've gone in depth with ATS resumes in the past. So I won't belabor that point here, but what I do want to say is if you take the time to create an ATS compatible resume, you end up saving time in the long run because it won't take as long for you to apply every single time. So we may be going from, you know, 30 minutes or more to apply for a job to just a few minutes to make a few tweaks um, on on the applicant tracking system. So that's number four, ATS compatibility is a must. And then finally, number five, we want to make this resume achievement focused. And boy, have I preached this one. Virtually every resume that comes across my desk is focused on job duties. And that tells the prospective employer what you did. Does not differentiate you at all. The assumption is if you had a job as a whatever the title was, a communications specialist, that your job is pretty similar to everybody else who's been a communications specialist. What separates you from the competition and what impresses a prospective employer is how well you did. And that's where the achievements come in. And I want to give you an example to help you kind of understand this because I have to I have to be honest, you know, 10 years ago when I got my resume certification, gosh, it's been 11 years now, I struggled with the difference between achievements and job duties and I had to really, you know, now of course I could do it in my sleep, but it can be challenging, right? So here here's an example. So let's say that you're in accounting and one of your job duties is to do month-end financial clothing, closing. It's what you were hired to do. It was written in the job description. It's clearly a job duty. If, however, you reworked the month-end financial closing process and you shortened it from, let's say, three days to three hours, now there's an achievement. And this is how I would write that achievement bullet for your resume. Reduced month-end closing process from three days to three hours. And I want to make one more really important note about achievements is they should be the only things bulleted on your resume. When you bullet achievements and job duties, you're mixing that in together and your achievements don't stand out. They become diluted. Job duty, job duty, achievement, job duty, achievement, achievement. It's a mess, right? You want a paragraph of no more than two to three lines that goes over your job duties. Most important things. I keep it very clean. I keep it very succinct. I don't use any fillers or fluff in there two to three lines job duty, and then no more than five achievement bullets per position. Each bullet wants to, you want to start it with an action verb so that there is consistency and it makes it much easier to scan, visually scan your resume and get a sense of what you've done. And as I go further back into a client's experience, I use fewer and fewer bullets, right? I want to visually show that this growth has happened in your career and that your most recent or current position is the most substantive of all the work you've done. All right, so those are my five suggestions for the resume clinic. I'm going to go over them one more time for you. Number one, get some fresh eyes on your resume, more than one person. 
Number two, customize 15 minutes every time you send it out. Number three, consider that you might need more than one resume if you're going in very different fields. One size may not fit all for you. ATS compatibility is a must. And then number five, make your resume achievement focused. I hope this resume clinic has been useful. Next week, we're going to have a LinkedIn clinic. I've got five more action steps for you then. And uh, of course, reach out to me if you have questions or need more help. And I'll see you next week. Take care. You've been listening to the Exclusive Career Coach with Lisa Edwards, CEO of Exclusive Career Coaching. It would be great if you would rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Also, I want to be your career coach, so be sure to ask questions about your career management challenges and job search situation. Until next time.